Thank you, Pastor, for your prayer. Good morning again, everyone. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has risen uh, from the dead and indeed is alive today and forevermore. Uh, praise the Lord. If this happened to be your first time with us, please kindly notice that we are studying the Gospel of Luke, as Pastor mentioned. And this morning we will continue our study from the passage in chapter 5 from verses 17 to 26, which is Luke's account of the healing of the paralytic man. Or if some of you uh, may uh, like, the sick of the palsy. That's how in King James it comes. I invite you then for you to open your Bible there. And if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can follow the reading uh, of the passage in your screen. Luke chapter 5 from verse 17 to 26. That says the word of God. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on the bed the man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the towels into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Father, you said in your word that... Uh, the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, this morning we pray that you may take away from us all hindrances and all knowledge that stands against the knowledge of, of Christ, the living King. Father, we pray that as we go and meditate in your word, you will transform our hearts for us to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and that today, O oh Lord, we can also say that you have done extraordinary things in our lives. For your name's sake and for the joy of your children, we pray all this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Two weeks back, uh, we saw how Jesus cleansed a leper. And we saw that no priest could do that. A priest who had been immediately declared unclean by touching a leper, but not Jesus. And the priest cannot cleanse a man like Jesus cleansed the leper. A priest cannot make anyone clean. According to Leviticus 13 and 14, the priest can declare the leper uh, that has been clean. Sorry, the priest can declare that the leper has been clean but he cannot make him clean except ceremonially. Jesus, on the other hand, can make this man clean. In drawing attention to the cleanness and uncleanness, Jesus is drawing attention to the power to forgive sins. And combined with the story that we will see today, I think that Luke, who wrote this gospel, wants to establish to Theophilus to whom this gospel was written, and to us today, what Jesus is, or who Jesus is, and what was his priority then and also today. Verse 17 gives us the context of the story. It was one day in the city of Capernaum, in a house probably very large uh, for those days observe the huge crowd that gathered wherever Jesus went. We know that because Mark, in account of this same story in, his chapter, in chapter 2, say exactly that it was in Capernaum. And the crowd were, but in the crowd, there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law. They were religious legalists in Israel, and I think it was, this was a sort of a formal gathering since they had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and even from down in Jerusalem. The narrative tells us that some men came to the house carrying on bed a man who was paralyzed. From the same narrative in Mark, we know that there were four men that were carrying this paralytic. They had come all the way from their village, carrying this man on a stretcher. He was paralyzed, probably quadriplegic, because they bring him on a stretcher. Whatever it was, this man was unable to walk, unable to move by himself. And so his friend carried him, this long, this long distance in that fashion. When they got there, of course, the crowd was huge. They could not get him in. Nobody would make a way for them. They could not get him up where Jesus was. And frustrated for some moment, they were about to give up. But they were really determined in, our, in their hearts that their friend, their friend would see Jesus in that day. 
we see in verse 19 that says that not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they, were, they, they went up to the roof. A scholar says that there were always an outside staircase uh, to the roof patio in those uh, one-story house in Israel. And they just went up to the roof and they calculated exactly where Jesus was and they lay down uh, their friend after removing all the tiles for him to be uh, presented to Jesus in the midst of the crowd. And when these men laid their friend down at the feet of Jesus, Jesus identified and met the greatest need of that paralytic. And friends, brothers and sisters, just as Christ was able to identify and meet or give solution to the paralytic greatest need, the same Christ who is alive today can identify and give a solution to mine and to your greatest need today, even in the midst of this uh, pandemic. Praise the Lord for that. As we look and understand how Christ does this in our passage, come to him with faith and allow him to meet you in your greatest need. So what was exactly then the greatest need of this paralytic? And how did Jesus met it and brought solution to that? One thing is very clear that we can see in the passage was the attitude of uh, the friends, and I believe also of the paralytic. It required faith for them to be able to do what they did. Not faith in empty things or only in the words of men, but faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't know how far they have traveled with their friends. But one thing is clear from the scripture that we read. Jesus was able to see faith in them. And we can also say that what they did, they did because they were driven by faith. This must be what they did uh, may, may, may disturb the people that were in, the, in that place but not to Jesus. In Jesus' eyes, this was a clear evidence of great faith. All the three Gospels that tells us this account, all of them, they say that Jesus saw their faith. He saw faith reflected in their perseverance and determination. Anyone could see it that it requires a measure, a degree of faith in Jesus for them to do what they did. No doubt it was a dramatic entrance, somewhat startling the crowd over there. Everyone could see that man affliction. Only Jesus could really see faith in him and in his friends. Jesus could see into their hearts their motives and even know their thoughts. 
Are you this kind of friend to someone? Do you have this kind of friends in your life? Brothers, true friends are those that through many trials and tribulations, they will do whatever they can to present you to our Lord Jesus Christ. This week I was talking to Bart back in the U.S. He is in the U.S. right now. And at the end of that talking in our WhatsApp talk, Bart said to me, Pedro, I'm always praying for you, brother. God is good. That really came and gave me another understanding of what these friends were to this paralytic. Even far away, I have a brother that is praying for me. What a, what a, 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 a blessing. That's what we say is a true friend. God gave me courage for me to do the same thing. And I would suggest you to do the same thing, even in this situation that we have of the pandemic. This is a good opportunity for us to be a friend to someone. Why not you just take your phone and call your brother, your sister, just to find out how he is and to meet his needs. Even if you cannot, prayer is available to you. You can pray for that brother, for that sister, presenting him or her to the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a good opportunity for us to see that what this world needs are people, a strong church that will pray for the conversion of their souls and that Jesus may really change their hearts. This is what the faith of these friends were up to. We need to help our friends to come with faith to our Lord Jesus Christ for their own good. But look with me then what happened when the friends laid the paralytic at the feet of Jesus. Most probably they stayed there on the roof looking down to see what Jesus will do. This gets me to my next point, the priority of Jesus. But I guess that the friends were not prepared for what Jesus was about to say. Let's read again verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. Here is this poor man lying helplessly in front of Jesus. He could not earn a living except by begging. He was dependent on his friend to carry him everywhere he needed to go. He couldn't dress himself or take care of his bodily functions. It would seem that his main need was a physical healing. But first, Jesus said to the paralytic, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Brothers, Jesus had that the priority. Again, Jesus made this declaration 
after the Bible says he saw their faith. And I believe, as I mentioned before, that their faith or their in, in, the, in, in the scripture includes also the paralytic. Since the Bible says in Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I like what King James says in here. Those who diligently seek him, which is the picture these friends and even the paralytic give to us. It is clear to me that these men came with faith to Jesus for the healing of the paralytic. But what, but what they hear Jesus said was, Friend, your sins are forgiven instead of you are healed. Now, let's just stop for a second and try to think and put ourselves in the place of this uh, man's friend or even in the people in the meeting. Some may look at this poor man there and say, his greatest need is for his emotional healing. Imagine what he must feel being totally dependent on, on the others for everything he does. Imagine what it must feel like to lie in the street and beg every day. We need to help this man that is a, a, a creation of God, a worldwide human being created in the image of God. But Jesus did not say, friend, I want you to feel good about yourself. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Why, Jesus? Why Jesus did that? Others may have said, what this man needs is economic and edu educational help. Let's give him food stamps, government health, care benefit, and some job training. But Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. One of the friends up there in the roof or on the top, probably frustrated with what he heard Jesus saying, could inwardly say to himself, oh my God, what a waste of time and energy. Jesus, we did not bring this man here for you to say you are, you are forgiven or your sins are forgiven you. We have brought this man here for you to heal him and for him to recover the ability to use his limbs. Jesus, we came here for a visible change and not for an invisible forgiveness. We, don't, we did not bring him here to have his sins forgiven, but for you to heal him. That's what we need. And that's what he needs as well. Cannot, can, can't you see that? That is what our faith brought us here for. But Jesus 
identify this man's greatest need, which I believe is also our need today. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Brothers and sisters, friends, forgiveness of sin is not just a little option thrown into the total benefit package of the abundant life. If the Bible's message about death and eternal judgment is correct, then forgiveness of sin is the greatest need of every person. People don't primarily need their marriage fixed. They don't primarily need their emotional problems resolved. They don't primarily, primarily need economic help. People need to know with assurance from God that their sins are forgiven. All other needs are secondary when we compare it with the priority of Jesus. As Jesus taught on another occasion in Matthew 16, 25, what profit is to gain the whole world and lose your soul? You see, my brother, my sister, Jesus was not unconcerned with the man's physical condition. Matter of fact, as the story continues, and you can see by yourself, Jesus healed the man. And I can assure you that Jesus is not unconcerned with your condition in this morning, whatever it may be. He is a good father, and he knows how to take care of his children. But there is something much more important than having health in your body and plenty of money, which is having God forgiven mine and your sins. Sometimes a severe problem, like we just mentioned, like health problem, emotional problem, family problem, or even financial problem, can be the best thing in the world for us. Even this COVID pandemic that we are talking and talking every day and every day, this did not happen by chance or by accident. God is using this crisis to help us understand what is really important in this life. We all are receiving throughout these days many videos and posts through the social media. And this week I received something that touched my heart. I don't know actually if uh, the story is completely true, but there is a message that I could learn when I was thinking even in the message. It was a 93-year-old man in, in Italy that was contaminated by this COVID. When he went to the hospital, the medical team over there say, 
sir, you need to pay 500 uh, euros for us or for you to have the ventilator. And that man started crying. He cried, he cried. The medical staff say, do you have any financial problem? He say, no, I don't. But it just came into my heart that for 93 years, I have breathed this air that God has given me. And there is no a thanksgiving that came from my mouth. But today, I'm paying 500 euros for the air that I need right now. Friends, priority are changing in this world. I'm sure later the man, this paralytic man, would look behind and see his condition or his former condition and thanking God for, for it. Because if he had never been paralyzed, he, never, he would never beg his friend to carry him to Jesus. He never would have heard the word that Jesus just told him. Your sins are forgiven you. The same may be true for many today. At the end of this uh, coronavirus pandemic. And it will finish. Many are going to look back and thank God for this time. Because... If, they had, if it had never happened, they could never see their need of a Savior and beg Jesus to forgive them of their sins and to reconcile them to God the Father. Will you be one of these many? In the beginning of the story, we were told that there were religious authority in the house where Jesus healed the paralytic. They were all coming from near as the villages in Galilee and from far as Jerusalem, gathering together to assess this Jesus about whom they have heard so much. And they did not like what Jesus just told this paralytic. They began questioning in their heart and saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus addresses or addressed to their inward question will reveal that he is the Messiah, God in flesh, that came to forgive our sins. And this leads me to my next point. Jesus is God. God in flesh. Please kindly notice that there is nothing wrong with these Pharisees and teachers of the law theology here. It is, the, it is in fact very true what they just said. That only God can forgive sins. That is right. But they were wrong in concluding that it does not belong to Christ. For he is God manifested in flesh. 
they had the right to inquire on what grounds Christ laid that uh, claim with such authority. But without any inquiry, they suppose him to be just one common man and proceed rashly to condemn him, just trying to find fault in Jesus. And Jesus knew that they had some questions. Look with me again, verse 22. When Jesus perceived their thought, he answers, answered them, Why do you question in your heart? <laughs> some of them may look to one another and say, We didn't say anything. How could he know what we are thinking? Yes, he cannot because he is God in flesh. Then Jesus challenges them back with uh, another question. Just look with me again, verse 23. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Well, what do you think is the easier to say? From the religious perspective... From the religious leader's perspective, which I think is common among men, it's easier to say that person's sins are forgiven because it is not verifiable with any of our human senses. It is an inward reality than to claim to be able to say to a person, rise up and walk, which can be verifiable with our senses. It is an outward reality because they were carnally minded. If Jesus would say, man, stand and walk, and that man would be laying flat over there, they will know, they would know that what Jesus was claiming was not true. But just look now at verse 24. And I'll try to paraphrase what Jesus' rebuke or answer is to them right there. Jesus said that it is harder actually to say your sins are forgiven because of the nature of the forgiveness. But you think, talking to this uh, uh, religious leader that it is easier to say, sorry, but you think that it is easier, it is an easier thing to say. Then since I have said the easier one, so now let me say the harder part, so that you may know that the Son of Man, which is a messianic designation from Daniel 7, has the authority on earth to forgive sin. You see, Jesus adapts his discourse to their understanding to give evidence of who he was, God in flesh. Thus, Jesus said to the paralytic, rise up, take your bed and go home. And he did so. But friends, 
please understand that what the Pharisees and teachers of the law thought to be easy to say was in fact accomplished with a great cost. Jesus here was anticipating his death on the cross where he, he exclaimed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. It was on that cross that Jesus made possible our salvation. It was on that cross that the restoration of our right relationship with God was established. But only for those that will turn to Jesus in faith and repentance. Is this Jesus that was crucified for my and your sins and that is risen from the death and alive today that we celebrated last week in Easter? We heard on Easter Sunday that the greatest threat in this world right now is not the coronavirus. The greatest threat is dying without a risen savior. The hope of the world always was and always will lie in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. Nowadays, people fear COVID disease, but they don't fear God. Brothers and sisters, our greatest need is not to be delivered from this disease but to be delivered from and be forgiven from our sins. Our greatest need is not physical healing alone, but spiritual cleansing. We saw Luke telling us the exact same message when he recorded the incident with the leper, and now he emphasized this truth once again for us by the healing and the forgiven the forgiveness of sin of this paralytic man. Maybe your friends have asked you this question recently. Where is Jesus in all that is happening? It is a simple question that cuts straight down to the heart of spiritual realities. John Piper once said that God is always doing 10,000 things in your life. And you may be aware of three of them only. I appreciate this quote because it reminds us of how limited is our perspective. We simply cannot see all that God is doing. Not only is God doing more than we can see, but he is also doing more than we can fathom. We need to help our unbelieving friends and family to see this truth. We need to carry them to Jesus this time in this time of desperation. One thing that this coronavirus has shown us very clearly is that this world is not as it should be. Everything is not whole. Everything is not in its right place. 
Jesus Christ, who is alive today, identifies and offers us the solution to our greatest need, especially in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Will you come in faith and repentance to him and receive the forgiveness of your sins and the new life in him this morning? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you because in him, Lord, you have satisfied your wrath when it was good for you to crush him for our iniquities, Lord. Father, we know that you are a good father and that you know how to take care of us. You are sovereign. And in your economy, nothing is impossible to you. We know that you carry this world in your hand and that everything that is happening right now is under your control for your name's sake and for your glory. Reason why, Father, we ask right now, as your children, as your church, that we will set our priorities right and that today, your oh Lord, you may change our hearts because you know that if our hearts are changed, even some of our family's problems will be resolved because true love will abide in us and we will be able by your strength, by your spirit to love one another as Jesus has loved us. We know, oh Father, that if our hearts are changed and forgiveness of sin uh, will be our portion, children will obey their parents as you have commanded in your word. We know even, Lord, that we may be able to deal with our financials, or fi financial issues, oh Lord, with wisdom as well. Therefore, Lord, we pray that this morning, Lord, you may be glorified by, change, by our hearts being changed by the power of your spirit. Give us new life, Lord, and let your sanctifying grace and let your saving grace be at work in the life of those that heard this message, O oh Lord, for your name's sake and for the glory of your children. We pray all this in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen.